Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nice and an emergency podcast. <laughs> Sound the alarm. I'm not going to bury the lead here. Mark Cavendish just won for the first time in over a 1,000 days. Cav is back. We're going to recap. In fact, we're not even going to bother recapping the stage in full. We're just going to dive into Cav Sprint and Cav Sprint only. We're going to talk sunglasses, maybe a bit of Jakobsen. And uh, honestly, I wasn't even watching the Tour of Turkey. I don't really give two shits about this race, apart from Cavendish. I was trying to take some time off, sort out some Andorran company formation. But Benji's going to tell you what happened yesterday, some snow affected, the profile etc. Seb's there who told me about it. Uh, this show supported by LaCole, obviously our show partner. But yeah, Benji, what happened yesterday and did that make any difference for today? So basically yesterday we uh, we had a uh, bit of a rough thing when it comes to the stage itself because there was snow, heavy snowfall the day before and they weren't sure whether the stage was going to happen or not. First of all, they cancelled it and then later on they eventually still found a solution which is basically the last 70-ish kilometers of the second stage from Konya to Konya that they took and made the first stage of. And that's how that first stage was born. We didn't really see too much action throughout the stage, usual shitty breakaway of uh, two, three riders that is definitely going to get taken back by the end of the day. And then at the end of the day, we uh, had a sprint. Cavendish was sitting very well positioned and then not because the Koenig was pushed back into the washing machine effect in the last kilometer. And... When Hotch was trying to bring Cavendish to the front, we had a rider ahead of him. I think it's Anjolkovsky or someone. I'm not sure. That took the corner very wide and almost pushed Hotch in the barrier by accident. And that basically ruined Cavendish's chances yesterday. Great sprint by Arvid de Klein, who beat the Unox sprint to Halverson. Honestly, Unox, great team here. One of the best ones when it comes to the lead out. But today was a bit different. When it comes to today, we had a similar profile as, well, obviously the last 75 kilometers of the state from yesterday. And the stuff beforehand was not really too important. The stronger break. Wait, it was away, exactly but... the same. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> so uh, the final was basically exactly the same. So I guess uh, Hodge and Cavendish now know that they don't need to be in the wheel of Anilkovsky in the last kilometer. And uh, they didn't do that today. But we had some other teams uh, taking control in the sprint. And I'll throw it over to you for the final sprint because there's not much else to say when it comes to this stage, to be honest. So... Because they tried to take control yesterday and then it didn't really work out for them quick step, they seem to take more of a back foot approach today. They just had Archbold and Hodge for Cavendish from even four and a half Ks to go. And Kirby astutely said, he's like, well, they can't start their lead out here. Israel Startup Nation after UNOX, who UNOX had burnt their train really, really early from four Ks to like two and a half Ks. Then Israel came to the front. They had strength in numbers, but not strength in speed. In fact, they they were they were not pacing hard enough that it even prevented attacks in the last nineteen hundred meters. There was a flyer from a guy. Um, Archbold did a really good job, given that he was eating a lot of wind, keeping Cav up the front. He lost Cav. They went back, got Cav again, brought him to the front with Hodge still there. Israel leading out, 
And then you got these last K, two left-hand corners, critical corners. You have to be top five wheels through the last left-hander, even top five. Yesterday wasn't good enough, caught behind that issue, as Benji said. Alps and Phoenix, just like in Sheldapres. You've seen the finish on my main YouTube channel where Cav and Philipson were both involved there, same actors. Alperson's lead out for Philipson, legit good sprinter, not top, top tier, but he's won Grand Tour Sprint in the last six months. So he's a serious guy, won Sheldapres. And Alperson bring him up. They got numbers, gone to the last 500 metres. They've got their second-to-last lead out man through the second-to-last left-hand corner, gets Philipson through safely. Cav gets onto Greipel's wheel, who's the last remnant of the Israel train. He's on Philipson's wheel, about third wheel. Cav fourth wheel. I think Hodge and Archbold have pulled off last corner. Philipson's last lead-out man kicks through that last corner. And I'm thinking, damn, he's not just depositing him in the corner. He's giving Philipson a kick out of that corner, depositing him at 175. It's going to be problems for everybody else behind him. Philipson should be finishing this no problem. I mean, I thought Halverson should have finished it yesterday, and he had more work to do. Philipson kicks pretty like at 210, if you can go by the road markers on the side of the road after his lead-out man drops him off. He kind of jumps his lead-out man early. No one else was coming around him. Griper loses the wheel off Philipson off his initial kick, just loses two bike lengths in the last 150 metres. And Philipson's looking back, and it might have cost him, Looking back, sees he's got separation and then like kicks again. He didn't fully commit straight away. It's almost like he was holding something back, knowing that, you know, he didn't want to offer up his full sprint slipstream at the start, I guess. Anyway, drops Gripel off. Cavendish, third wheel. He's got a really important decision to make at this point. Do I leapfrog around Gripel to try and get onto Philipson's wheel? Or do I trust Gripel to keep sprinting enough? to offer me a slipstream back closer to Philipson's wheel from 175 to 100 metres to go. He, he trusts Greipel. They've been head-to-head I don't know how many times. PCS will tell you. Greipel does sprint just about back to Philipson's back wheel. Cav goes around him on the right-hand side around, so slightly left-hand bending, finish. Cav goes around Greipel to the right-hand side, gets into Philips, Philipson's slipstream for a decent amount of time, 15 metres plus, especially you don't need to be right on the wheel to be getting a benefit. And then he cuts back between Greipel and Philipson. Through past, like uh, when a left-arm orthodox bowler goes through and around when they're bowling in cricket, goes between the umpire and the stumps, goes between Greipel and Philipson. British people are listening, Benji. They'll understand. It's Cav Emergency Podcast. And splits the middle, goes back to the left, a shorter line, ducks in and hits the line the hardest Cavendish. I've got to say, not even capping and not even memeing, it was actually a class sprint, Benji, like perfect timing, perfect patience, good parkour knowledge, just outstanding from Cavendish. And I think he's back, Benji. He's not back at Bennett Ewan level, but he's back as a serious guy who can win Pro sprints, as in not just professional, but dot pro designation. And I think he can win a world tour sprint this year if the right circumstances crop up, Benji. But you see anything else in that finish? Do you listen to the commentary? Um, how did it make you feel seeing that, seeing Cav win? Yeah, I was looking forward to it because I wanted to do an emergency podcast. But next to that, I think <laughs> that I thought they had lost it the moment that 
the riders from Israel started having trouble following the train from Alpesen, like you said earlier. Yeah. And somehow gap. that gap closed, and I didn't expect that. And the lead out for Greipel closed that relatively well, and then Greipel had to do a bit himself as well. But all in all, I think that it was a, a majestic sprint, and just in total, it's not a scrub sprint like you would say. It was a proper no. sprint, and it's a sprint yeah. that might actually conclude in him winning more sprints than one in the coming uh, coming part of the season. But I don't know how this works from now on because we're kind of lost. We don't have a, a name anymore. We don't have a goal. Should we like try and find a way that we now have an emergency podcast if Gripe will win something? Nah. Well, the thing is, if Cav wins a World Tour level sprint again, or if Gripe wins a World Tour level sprint, we'll be covering it anyway because it'll be a World Tour level race. Um, but I think... If Philipson's a benchmark of a serious sprinter, which I think is a pretty appropriate thing to say, with Cavendish able to come third and show the pace, and I know I did the video about how the way Quickstep approached that finish cost Bennett the win. Still true in my view, but that doesn't take away from the fact that Cav isn't a scrub. The difference between Cav this year, I know we might be getting ahead of ourselves, kind of Tour of Turkey Stage 2, like get a grip. But it's a big difference between this year and last year. Any pro sprints he was in last year, he'd get into about – he could be eighth wheel with 800 metres to go and he'd literally just disappear. Like I don't know whether it was a mentality thing or whether he's – I think more likely his legs just couldn't deal with the last three Ks and he just couldn't sprint, get to the sprint, didn't have the level to get there last year. Um, that was what was happening. Whereas this year, he's opening up his sprints. And do I think he's going to win a Tour de France sprint? No, I don't think so. But Benji, we did our preview, you know, team previews. We pretty much said that like any person that can hit over a thousand watts can win a Vuelta reduced bunch. Like, um, so yeah. What do you think? Do you think for Quick Step? This alone is worth it, is worth the sponsor investment, getting this moment for Cavendish? I think it definitely is because uh, I'm pretty sure that we heard that his sponsor investment wasn't solely based on the Koenig pushing money towards that. But all that aside, the, the marketing aspect to this, the PR aspect to this is huge for, for a team. And definitely with Cavendish winning right now, the entire world is upside down. Uh, I think it was my hot take for the Koenig that he would win a, a world tour stage yeah, you this did. season so it's coming. oh really it's coming it's oh. coming i can feel it i can feel <laughs> I didn't it know you said that <laughs> so i don't know where because i don't know where he's going to get an opportunity <laughs> but i think opportunity and mentality is indeed the biggest difference between last year and this year where at bahrain i never felt like he got the opportunities and trust from the team to achieve sprints he was placed into a lead out role for bauhaus in some stages he, uh, to my knowledge, didn't really get too many chances, if at all, at that team to go for a sprint himself in the last year. And I think the Koenig, when he started here, he had an opportunity from basically the first race he was in to go for his own sprint. And they're pushing that through the entire season. Even at Schelderpreis, they put him in a position where he could potentially take home the victory if all went perfect for him. So all in all, I think that that is the biggest difference. If a rider has has support and has the trust of the team to be the sprinter of the team, then he's more likely to give everything in his life to get to a level to actually achieve that. And I think that's also a big difference between the step up from from Bahrain to uh, 
to the Koenig here. I'm really happy that Cav won, and uh, I'm waiting for Greipel now to win the Tour de France. <laughs> Maybe on Champs-Élysées. <laughs> I remember that iconic side image of, and it's not great, they overuse it because you can't see who's actually winning, but the image of Cavendish going past Greipel on the Champs-Élysées from I don't know when, HTC Columbia days, iconic. I think this is more impressive than almost... I know if Philipson hadn't been at Shelter Prage, but imagine if they'd like led Cav out with Bennett, Benji, and then those two had got a gap on the field and then Bennett kind of let Cav come round and win after a dominant quick-step train. Today was different. Like yeah. We talk about the quick-step train all the time, and no doubt it's hugely important. And Archbold and Hodge did a great job keeping Cav up there today, but they didn't put this on a platter for him in the last yeah, 800 metres. He was doing it himself, and that's what I think was really cool to see. Kirby had an out-of-body experience. It was great. It was like <laughs> living in it's like living in 2014 again. I loved it. That was all part of the theatre for me, Benji. I was like, I hope Cav wins because like Kirby's going to go off and everyone's going to be excited and Lefebvre will tweet and we'll do an emergency pod. Like, It's great <laughs> that it's happened. Um, I want to make a quick comment about sunglasses. This is not a joke. Okay, so Cavendish at Shoulder Price was not wearing, he was wearing some other sunglasses, maybe the typical Oakleys that he's been wearing. Today, he changed to the Sam Bennett horrific-looking ones where it's a one-mold piece with the one with the bridge over the nose that sort of sits up. The one piece looks terrible on Cav. Puts that on, wins today. Philipson, Shoulder Price, clear lenses, might even be a different frame. Win shoulder price ahead of Bennett and Cav. Today, he's wearing the same sunglasses and lens combo that Ricard wore at shoulder price. Losers pipped on the line. Now, some may call that a complete coincidence. I call that science. So Cav's got to wear those sunnies for the rest of the season and he'll wait, be, uh, wait. maybe he could beat Merck's record. Wait, is that why you're wearing sunglasses right now? I'm wearing sunglasses because I was supposed to be getting a week of rest until I'm still gold race. And I was, <laughs> and then I saw that the snow fell and it gave Cav an extra sprint stage at Turkey. And I was like, this is the gods saying <laughs> that something will happen. I don't know if it was supposed to be another sprint stage. Um, but what about Jakobsen, Benji? We've spoken a lot about Cavendish. What about Jakobsen? Is he, he's just here to get some Ks in the legs, right? Yep, the first stage we saw that he was uh, finishing in the belly of the peloton as probably planned because I'm guessing the first race after such a comeback, the team is basically like, your goal today is finishing the stage and hopefully in the peloton. And that is your goal for today. Nothing more, no pressure. We're going to build this up subtly. And today we saw him at the front of the peloton for a, a tiny bit with about, I think, 15k to go where he was actually setting pace. So he was doing something today and I was really happy to see that. And I feel like that's next to um, Cavendish, the aspect that I like the most about the Tour of Turkey, that he's back. And I hope that we can slowly but surely see that build up. I am not sure he's going to get an opportunity for a sprint in this uh, Tour of Turkey. Would be fun if if he can get one, but uh, they shouldn't force it. It should be at a nice pace, at a normal pace, at a healthy pace for him to come back. And uh, I'm glad to see him back. That's basically it. I can't add too much to it. It's... Uh, it's great to see uh, Jakobsen and Cav hug at the end of the stage here. Yeah, I know. I, I can't believe it, frankly, from where he's come so quickly. It's just fantastic to see his recovery, to already be riding in a 
professional race is just crazy. I didn't expect it to be so quick and hopefully all going well. He could be going to the Vuelta, Benji, and his legs, if he gets them back under him quickly, he could be back into form very quickly. He's still super young guy, so that's that's awesome to see. What about Greipel, Benji? We spoke a little bit about him. Do you think he has has it in him to win any race so far? I mean, he's got – let me read out. He's got sixth at UAE and eighth in the last two sprinty ones. First oh, – sorry, not first. Ninth at Paranese's first stage, and then sixth and third here. What do you think his chances are this year? Clearly on a very serious note mentioned in the UAE Tour that he was slowly transforming from a sprinter to a GC rider. And throughout the UAE Tour, that was clearly visible. <laughs> now, today it looks like he's converting back to a sprinter. And I think it might be that he <laughs> realized that winning the Tour de France might not be on his plate at some point in the future. So I'm afraid that he's going to have to go back to a sprinter now. And looks like he still has it in the legs to do a decent sprint. What I see as a difference between Greipel and Cavendish here is that Cavendish has acceleration from behind someone, from the draft, to go past someone. When it comes to Greipel, yeah, exactly. I feel like... He's more of the muscle sprinter, and I think that when it comes to age, a muscle sprinter is going to have a hard time compared to an aerodynamic sprinter due to that draft effect, because Greipel has, obviously, more of a difficulty to stay in the draft because he's a gorilla. So, And yeah. towards the end There's of the no stage, snap. yeah. yeah Philipson, exactly. The Philipson move is perfect evidence of what you just said. When Philipson snapped, gapped him two, three wheels, Greipel then needs to spend his whole sprint catching up to the back wheel of Philipson basically giving Cav a lead out and then Cav has the timing to to actually win today's stage. Uh, I mean, we're not doing future pods for the Tour of Turkey, but tomorrow <laughs> Cav's in the leader's jersey, GC. Tomorrow <laughs> there's a 7K climb at 7.3%, but at Cress, 113Ks from the finish. Could be Cav back-to-back, Benji, <laughs> tomorrow. Seb. Please, can you attack on the climb and win from a break or something? Um, <laughs> not doing back-to-back Cav podcast. Yeah, anything else, Benji, you'd like to mention about Cavendish? Where would you like to see Tacon extend him? Obviously, Philippe and uh, Bennett, kind of the tour, but do you think uh, Bing Bang? Like, what's a world tour race you would send him to where, you know, if he's coming third at shoulder praise, he could actually have a good chance of winning? Hmm, that's actually a very difficult question. He's not going to the Ardennes, that's obvious. When it comes to Grand Tour, Tour de France, Giro Velta, I think that Velta might be the one where they have a spot left in their team. But I don't think it's ideal either, perhaps. Oh, this is not going to sound well, but perhaps as a sprinter to the Tour de Polonia. I feel like that kind of stage race would be a, an option. Uh, yeah, Cyclastics Hamburg might be too hard. Tour de Rome and the No, I think, they're the, I think they're the chances. I what? think the two German one days. If he gets a weak yeah. field, he can beat Christoph. Yeah, but he I can't think Christoph's get over the hills one. like Christoph also. They have hills in Hamburg. <laughs> Isn't that the one where you've got <laughs> the hills that oh, I don't even remember? Now Viviani won that. You're right. It's probably no. Not. It's mate. It's Viviani, Viviani. <laughs> you I'm and thinking Brighton. about Edward Frankfurt. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, <laughs> I think <laughs> there's some highways. I guess sure, some ramps, off ramps. It's the perfect opportunity. No, that's not World the Tour. Last race. So stage go to go that of this the year. season. He's going to get it. <laughs> Gaviria cleaned up there <laughs> in 2019. <laughs> and Ackerman. 
I would send him to the two German races. I think he'd have a chance, the flatter one for sure, to get to Wheatfield, uh, as in no you and Bennett, et cetera, mm-hmm. and a full quick step leader. He can win. If you come third at Shelter Price, you, you have a chance. He won't be favorite, but with a quick step train, who knows? Um, but yeah, I guess if he's like this, Benji, I don't really think he should be retiring, although that's up to him. Maybe it'd be good to retire in a year where you are winning and, and sort of not on top, but back to being a competitive, good sprinter. But that was a Mark Cavendish winning a race emergency podcast, much demanded. We've been saying since he signed with Quickstep when we did the emergency signing podcast that we'd be doing this. We've been good to our word. I'm going to go back into hibernation for a few days. You can check out my Bobrancy Pale highlight analysis recap video on my main channel benji you wrote something i think yesterday or the day before what was that yeah uh some people asked on the podcast what a satellite rider was because we mentioned a lot on the podcast so i decided to write a bit of a piece on it uh it is neil armstrong uh is is neil armstrong the guy that went to the moon yes oh wow i just got the joke (laughs) (laughs) that was horrible that's his brother um i don't know what to say anymore i think uh it's on my twitter if you want to check it out uh i won't do this too regularly but if i feel like it i might and if you've got questions or like then i might be down to do it as well if i find time so uh yeah pretty much that's uh the story here all right thanks for listening all and we'll see you with Amstel gold ciao Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 